Garen Allenbaugh texted me last night concerning our services today. This is one of the colder days that uh, I've preached in my life. And so I, I had negative one, so I'm optimistically one degree warmer than Dan right now. We're having a heat wave. He texted me this at 8.30 here. It did, uh, hey, Chris Gregg, want to know if church is closed uh, tomorrow morning or not? I said, yes, we have church tomorrow. Oh, okay, thanks, Chris Gregg. Just want to know if you think it's slippery out on the roads. And I said, uh, no, I don't think they're bad. I just gotten in. We had some furnace problems. That's why you guys are wearing coats right now. Is uh, we had, the working unit had been unplugged uh, due to an error in getting this new unit turned on, and so we didn't have any heat for a few days. So it was fifty-eight degrees. So we have we have four to five degrees warmer than what it was yesterday, but but it's fighting. He says, uh, "No, not bad, but be careful, Garrett." Oh, okay, thanks, Mister Chris Gregg. You be safe on the road. See you at church on time. Love you, my man, Chris Gregg. And I responded, I love you too, Garrett. Right, Garrett? You know, that's commitment. You can't pay someone for that, can you? If you're joining us today, I appreciate you. Uh, I kind of make this decision this way. If I would go out for breakfast this morning, which I would if we wouldn't have church, If I would go to a volleyball game I did yesterday to see my grandkids play, then I feel like I can be at church on Sunday morning. Uh, I think that God's a priority, and if we can have them open, if it's not a snow emergency, we're going to be here. I love it that we can be online. So if you're in Florida, it's sunny and 75. It's really not negative two degrees with wind chill uh, of who knows, negative 15, negative 20, who knows what it is. But uh, we we just prioritize this, and I'm glad whoever is here is here, and God does that, and join us online otherwise. Today we're going to continue our series, Some People Change, we're going to look at holy habits, and I think this is probably the most important, if not the, the important, number one importance in this series, this sermon. It's uh, uh, just really important important if we're going to be transformed, if we are going to be changed into Christ-likeness, we need to get this one right. Now, maybe you're hoping to change something. Actually, I'm hoping to change something this year in my life. And I believe hope is good, but it takes something more than hope to make a difference. Hope alone won't change your life. You've heard people say, I hope to do this, I hope to do that, and they never do it. You know, hope is good, but it doesn't change, because most of what you normally do isn't the result of hope, but it's the result of your habits. Things that you do almost automatically. Over 40% of the actions you do daily are not the result of decisions, but the results of habits. Think about what you do. So, so when you think about it, realize this, to change your life, you have to change your habits. 
And and I know people that have been told you only have a couple years to live. If you don't change your eating habits, you're not going to live. And you know what? They don't change because they don't change their habits. Now, my goal for you and my hope for you is that you develop holy habits, that there are habits in your life that are making you more and more like Christ Jesus, that are making you more and more a person that reflects God's glory. And today, I just want to look at the power of just one habit, just one habit, not a hundred habits, not a great big goal, but just the power of one habit. Now, if you were with me in the Daniel series, I preached this this about a year ago, but if you think about Daniel chapter six and Daniel's story, and if you remember Daniel, you remember one story above all the others, Daniel and the lion's den. That's what's in Daniel chapter six, and this is 587 BC, about 600 years before Christ. Now, you got to wonder about Daniel. Daniel was, if you remember Daniel chapter 1, Daniel was in exile. He probably was a high-ranking, well, actually a well-born son in Israel, probably affluent. He was taken in bondage into uh, Persia probably in modern-day Iraq and in Babylon, and was sold out there, but he achieved and was brought up into leadership into a very political, ungodly situation. Top three administrators in all of the world at that time. In fact, because of his attitude, he turned out to be number one. Now, can you imagine in government that a Christian would be in the number one spot in the government? Would there be any political positioning? Would there be any turmoil? Would there be any jealousy in that situation? I would say probably. And that's what we see in Daniel chapter 6. The other two satraps and the other administrators hated Daniel because they were jealous of him and there was some political turmoil going on. And so they set Daniel up. So how did God do something so big through Daniel? How did he do it? You see, God often does big things through small habits. We're going to see this in Daniel's story, that God did something through a small habit in Daniel's life. Look at Daniel chapter 6, verse 5. These folks tried to set him up. They tried, they, they bugged his bedroom. They bugged the boardroom. They bugged his office. They interviewed people that worked around him and lived around him. They could find no fault in him. And so they finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So what do they do? 
they tricked Darius, who was the king at the time, the king of Persia, to 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 invoke this law that for 30 days you could not pray to, you could not worship any other god but himself. Because kings at that time thought they were gods. Small g. Small g god. Look at Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. When Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem, and three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. You see, Daniel didn't change his habit. His habit was to pray toward Jerusalem, toward the temple, where the temple was, where the presence of God was, three times a day. Now, he had to be a busy official. He was number one in the government, only lower than the king himself. And we know the rest of the story. You know the rest of the story. And the king is grieved, and he throws Daniel in the lion's den, and, and Daniel miraculously survives the night. They pull him out of the lion's den, and then the king throws those people who were jealous of him, the other satraps and administrators, and their families and their children into the lion's den, because that was retributive justice for falsely accusing Daniel. God redeemed him in that moment from his one simple habit. Never underestimate how God can start something big through one small habit. Something that we wouldn't even consider. What was amazing to me was that Daniel was promoted because of his attitude. I know a young man in the who, who, who's been in the military, and he was serving a commanding officer that was just one of those bosses that was awful, that would make his life miserable. And all the other captains that were surrounded with him and under this uh, colonel was was hating it. But because this young man had a smile on his face and did his job well in spite of a bad boss, he was promoted. And not only that, he was ranked number one above all the other captains. And because of that reason, he'll probably finish his career and be able to retire out of the military. You ever have a bad boss? I have. How do you deal with it? With a smile on your face? Do you do your job well and above and beyond? Do you exceed the expectations because it's the right thing to do? You see, your attitude determines your altitude, just like Daniel. That could be one small habit that you choose to do this year. Now, I want to review with you where we've been in this series. I want to... Quick review. Week number one, we real and lasting change isn't behavior modification. It's spiritual transformation. You start with the spiritual why. 
Why do we want to do what we want to do? It needs to be a spiritual reason, a godly reason. Like if if I were wanting to lose 25 pounds, which I'd like to do, I need to do it because my body is a temple of God. And because I want to serve God and I want to serve him better, then I, I would lose this 25 pounds. That would be the spiritual why. You need to identify that spiritual why in, transfa- in transformation. Week two was identity. Why do you do what you do? Why do you do what you do? You do what you do because of what you think of you, of how we think so we are. It's the spiritual who. It's our identity, who we are in Christ. Are we an ambassador of God? Are we Christ's servant? Are we saved by grace through faith to do great works for God? Absolutely. Today we're looking at the spiritual what? Spiritual why, spiritual who, spiritual what? And we're looking at habits. And our habits, based on who you want to become, What's one habit you need to start? What's one habit? I've been praying about this. And, and, and this doesn't have to be big. It can be small. And only you can identify the habit. Now, over the last few weeks, let me just say this. That one, one of our uh, young, young ladies in our church looked at me, and I was doing, I, I forget, a podcast or, or, or uh, the plug at the end of a service, and she said, Chris, you know you have a grumpy face. She didn't say it that way. You know what, what she said? You look like you have a grumpy face. And, you know, I smiled really big because I did have a grumpy face. And I said, you, you got me. I said, I had a grumpy face. I didn't have the right attitude when I went into this. I tried, but I just couldn't pull it off. And I, you know what? And I don't want to have a grumpy face. I don't want to be a grumpy old man. Now, now let me tell you, I, I, I have regular challenges as your pastor. I have challenges from here in the church, and I have challenges with what I do outside of the church. And a lot of times I'm dealing and I'm fixing stuff, people, problems, things. And sometimes I don't have my happy face on. I have grumpy face. Or I I don't have grumpy face, I have grumpy mind, and so it comes out in my face. And I'm convicted of it. So as I've been praying through the series, and as I've been praying, and by the way, you know, not all of this is from me. I I want you to know that. I borrow from some of the best. I I borrow from Craig Rochelle and Aaron Brockett. They're some of my favorite preachers. You know, I I own it, try to make it my own, this material. I just want you to know. I I was taught, hey, if you want to preach good, do your own stuff. But if you really want to preach really, really well, borrow from others and use the best as well as your own stuff. So that's what I do, just so you know. So I got to ask myself, and I want to ask you, who do you want to become? Well, I don't want to be grumpy-faced preacher guy, Chris Craig. I don't want people to remember me that way. I want to be happy-faced, joyful Chris Craig. That's who I want to be. I don't know who you want to be or who you want to become. So the habit I want to develop, and I've got to figure out a way to do this, is I want to be joyful, so I need to attach a habit. So maybe you want to be someone who cares. Maybe write a note or text 
someone and, and say, hey, I appreciate this about you, or I saw you do this, or thank you so much for that. Maybe you want to be a person that's so organized. So, you know, you make your bed first thing in the morning. That would never happen in my life. I maybe pick up my clothes off the floor and put them in the clothes hamper. That might be how I start my organization process. I don't know what it would be for you. Maybe you got tools lying all around your shop. Pick up your tools and put them where they're supposed to be rather than laying where the, you last used them. Whatever it is. Maybe you want to be a godly example to your teen. Maybe do you version a, a simple Bible plan together every day and kind of check, do a heart check. Maybe, maybe you want to be a person who is healthier. Maybe eliminate soft drinks. Want to be closer to God? Attend church every week, physically, if possible. The Hebrew writer writes it this way in Hebrews 10.25. He says, let us not neglect meeting together as some have made a habit. Don't be that. Don't 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 have that as habit. But let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Based on who you want to become, what is one habit you will start? What's that habit? And and you might be asking, well, how do I create a new habit? How do I create a new habit? Number one, make it obvious. Make it obvious. So maybe every time I see you, I smile first thing, whether I want to smile or not. To get rid of that grumpy face. And then I say, hey, good to see you. Before anything else. Maybe that's my cue. Maybe here's the habit loop. Cue a craving, a response, a reward. Maybe if you want to go on a diet and you don't get a soft drink, you get water off the tap instead of out of plastic because you know plastic is bad for you. That's what we just heard this week on the news. And so that's the first thing you do. So you drink water all the time and and you reduce calories that way. And so you fill that craving with water, and your response is you feel better, and you naturally have a reward, and it helps you lose weight. Maybe that's the new habit. For me, it would be drinking less coffee. How would I do that? Well, i drink more water. What would be my cue? Every time I reach and pour the coffee pot, I have to drink a glass of water before I get a cup of coffee. Maybe that's my cue. Then it's a craving and a response and a reward, that habit loop over and over again until it's ingrained. This morning, when I wake up, maybe I go to the bathroom, maybe I go down to the kitchen and I get a cup of coffee, and the next thing I do is I read my Bible. I have a daily devotion. Well, this morning, I woke up around 4 or 4.30 in the morning, and I was thinking to myself, you know, we checked on the furnace, and we had the problem with the furnace, but I didn't look at the parking lot to see if the parking lot was passable or not, because Garrett had had texted me last night, and then about 4.30, about six hours later, it kicked in. Hey, I don't even know if the walkways are cleared off. So I threw on some clothes, and I came over here at 4.30 this morning, and I looked around the walkways, and, and they weren't shoveled off. But what I didn't know was somebody had already shoveled them off last night, and the the snow had blown them 
closed again in that short period of time, believe it or not, blowing snow. And so I I went back to the house and I threw on more clothes and I grabbed a shovel. And so instead of doing my Bible study, I started shoveling snow because that was what needed to be done. But I thought, you know, my face was going to freeze like your face froze when you walked in off the parking lot. So I could only do so much snow shoveling. So I came in in our foyer in our lobby and I had my computer and I had my iPad. So I had my devotion. I, I read one, one of my devotions and then I went out and shoveled more snow. And then I read another devotion and went out and shoveled more snow. Then I read another devotion and shoveled more snow, face froze, waited a little bit while, drank some more coffee, studied my sermon, went out and shoveled more snow. That's what I did. Somehow you got to make that a habit. You got to introduce that into your life. When it comes to your habits, your cues will determine what you do. So you build on the habits you have. Build holy habits on what you do already. That's positive. If you want to change what you do, change your cues. When something happens, it's automatic. You make your cue obvious. You make it obvious. You just do it. It's not a decision. You make it obvious, number one. Number two, make it easy. I'm not asking for big things. I'm not asking you to change the world. I'm asking for one habit. The Lord's asking for one habit. You know what you need to do. People have told you, you know, you're convicted in your heart and your mind. You know that you need to do something to improve your life, to do what the Lord is calling you to do. Just do it in an easy way. Make it easy for yourself. Don't make it hard. David Allen, in his book, Getting Things Done, which I've read, he says, if an action will take less than two minutes, it should be done at that moment it's defined. If I get an email and I can respond in two minutes, I respond. If somebody stops me and says, hey, hey, do you got a couple of minutes? I say, yes, let's go do this. Get this done. Normally, it's not just two minutes, but two minutes, I can do some things and get them out of the way. Now, James Clear built on this in his book, Atomic Habits. A new habit should take less than two minutes. So what I'm asking you to do is obvious. It's easy. It should only take you two minutes minutes. So if you're going to journal daily, if you're going to write something down, write one sentence, something that's under two minutes. If you're going to pray with your spouse, you hold their hand and you thank God for one thing, less than two minutes. If you're going to start exercising, do five push-ups. Maybe that's too hard for you. I just found out that 98% of the people can't do a push-up in the United States. Only 2% can. So maybe five push-ups is it what you're going to do? Maybe one push-up, maybe a few setups, maybe walk two minutes, do something. Now, James Clear expands on these small habits or small ideas of under two minutes in habit stacking, which I've been talking to you about since I've been preaching today. I will do this after I do that. If you eat breakfast every day, establish a new habit after breakfast. You get out of bed every morning, establish <laughs> a habit after you get out of bed. Whatever you do consistently, positive habit, do it. Daniel's prayed three times a day after eating. 
pray in a prayer closet. If that's a habit you want to establish. Your spiritual who, your spiritual why, your spiritual what is the habit. Paul writes Timothy, and uh, Timothy was his mentee. Paul was mentoring Timothy. He was his son in the faith. Here's what Paul says. He says, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Godliness. Form a habit to establish godliness in your life. One small habit at a time, becoming more like Jesus, one small habit at a time. If you're hoping to change, hope won't change your life, but your habits will. Hope will get you started. Habits will keep you going. Based on who you want to become, how you want to be remembered, how do you want to be known, what kind of legacy do you want to leave as you leave this life, what small habit that you could do today, obvious and easy, under two minutes, not a big deal, but something that will take you down that path toward becoming what God calls you to become. Zechariah, was a minor prophet in the Old Testament. He writes this in his book, in chapter 4, verse 10. He says it this way, Don't despise these small things, these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Want to make God happy? Small habit. Who do you want to become? Who do I want to become? I want to be a person who is disciplined so that I can serve Jesus well with intentionality. With intentionality. Nobody ever changed by hoping to change. It was through habits that they created, that they established in their life. Not one big habit, consistent small habits, equals a changed life. If you're same as I am, your who, your why, based on your who, one habit to change. You won't change because you hope to get better or hope to be better. You changed your life because you established better habits. Never underestimate how God can start something big through one small habit. Will you please stand as I pray? Eternal God and Father, we are grateful that your grace is sufficient for us, that the challenge is to become more like you, and you give us the ability and desire to do that. But Lord, sometimes we don't know how to do it. We hope to change. We want to change. We talk about it, but a lot of times it never happens. And Father, I just pray that you'll give us the desire, the ability, the grace, the same grace that saved us, the same grace that uh, 
drew us unto yourself, would uh, work in our lives, that we might be, grow more like you. And Father, that we would become what you desire us to become, that our life, our habits would drive that change, that we could know you and that others around us would see the life-changing the life change that occurs in us because of you. And we could give you the glory and the praise and say, God did it through me by his grace for his glory. And I've been transformed by him. And you can too, as we follow Jesus together. And Father, we just give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.